0: Well, hi, everybody. I'm Aaron Grubin. I'm a veterinarian that also likes to write. Um, I've been writing books since I was in high school about all kinds of things. Um, uh, Today we'll be talking about a a book I wrote about um, Christianity and vet medicine and what God thinks about veterinary medicine and history of of, um, Christians that were involved in in veterinary medicine. Uh, I love to write about history in general. Um, I do some fiction writing and nonfiction writing. so my favorite things to write about have been about time travel. So this this book's not at all about time travel. So this, this will be a fun one to talk about.
1: Wait, um, now to so. be fair, this book is not about time travel. <laughs> However, the first half of it is devoted to what looks like a deep dive into I tried to look chronologically at who are the Christians who are veterinarians, and you just walk through the history, mostly of Europe, but little touches elsewhere. So it felt yeah. like time travel in the beginning.
0: There you go. There you go. Kind of. That, that's that's all, definitely a side of me. I, I love history um, and, and like to dive into those details when I can. Um, so um,
1: Wait, so you snuck in in your introduction kind of something that I was going to ask about at the very beginning, which is, okay, sure. you're a writer. You're a Christian. You're a veterinarian. Mm-hmm. Maybe you could say, where did those three things start? What is the order they came in?
0: Oh, yeah. Good question. Good question. Um, let's see. So I, I guess ever since I can remember, I've been wanting, interested in being a veterinarian whenever I started thinking about a career. Um, and then – when I got to high school, started thinking more seriously about it, um, I, I started thinking about the things in this book, really. um, what, Why would I really want to be a veterinarian, and am I serious about it, um, and how does that fit into my Christian faith? Um, I became a Christian when I was nine. Um, uh, God convicted me about um, uh, the truth of of the Bible, and and I talked to my dad about the gospel and and decided to become a Christian at that point. Wait, Um, can I I ask
1: ask about your upbringing so that the possibility that you decided to become a Christian at nine sounds like Mm -hmm. you may not be. You are from an Anabaptist faith that says, hey, you need to – you can't we can't just do this for you at the beginning we can't baptize you and call this good you need to make a decision somewhere down the line so maybe you could just talk a little bit about have you kept the same stream of christianity since you were a little kid and what was that like that being a kid and and then at nine what did it feel like when you finally decided
0: oh yeah that's a good question good question yeah um i I mean so i I basically kept the same stream of of christianity i'm a a, like a reformed presbyterian at this point in life um so um and, and uh, started out going to a Baptist church and like Bible churches, um, uh-huh. uh, and just kind of grew up in a Christian family. And uh, my folks were were like Bible church kind of people. Um, so, um, and then yeah, when I when I first sort of understood what they were talking about when they talked to me about Christianity and Christian ideas, um, uh, and it it really went into my heart um, was when I was nine. Um, That was when I was pretty little. I don't have a whole lot of real specific memories, obviously. Um, uh, One thing I do remember is suddenly being interested in going to church every week and and started reading the Bible for myself and really trying to understand what the heck all this stuff is about. Um, And it's been a a long journey uh, discovering uh, since then. Um, When I went away to vet school is really when I started to investigate, like, reformed, theology um, and and Presbyterianism um, in more detail. I've been going to Presbyterian churches with my parents for a few years before that, but started to think about whether I really believed any of of the more specific reform doctrines of like Calvinism and things like that. And um, I started to really uh, make those my own at vet school, actually. Um, So that's kind of my journey of faith. Um, I was a so a, uh, deacon for a little
1: while. Um, for, for an ignorant non-Christian, when you talk sure. <laughs> about Calvinism and you think about yeah. kind of—so you were older in vet school when you're really kind of nailing down the doctrines that you believe. Mm-hmm. Why were you—were ex- your parents exploring? Did they kind of go from church to church through the years? And why did the doctrine of this reform, Presbyterianism, why did that—do you know why that called out to you and why that seemed more right?
0: Yeah, that's a good question. Um, Yeah, so a couple different questions in there about my my parents. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Uh, so the answer is yes, about my parents. They kind of went around to different churches growing up. So I I got uh, some exposure to all kinds of different um, brands of Christianity, you could say. Um, And then uh, as far as as Calvinism goes, um, I I guess the main thing is I, I really started exploring what the bible says um about uh, salvation especially so um, calvinism is especially um a, a type of like systematic doctrine that that um, lines up Logically, what the Bible says about about uh, fa- faith and and uh, salvation and, and Jesus's work to to save us. Um, so it talks of there's five points of Calvinism, all things like um, uh, about talking about how God God is the one doing the work to bring you to Him and and things like that. Um, so uh, I, I came across those things at some of the churches I was going to and wanted to know what the Bible really said about how God saves us and, and um, started reading the bible itself and a lot of books um, written by by reformed people and not reformed people and, and just kind of came to the the belief that that was that was more biblical um, kind of on a more personal level i started i, I met met a, a fantastic um, older lady while i was at vet school um through the church i was going to a little tiny church um, about maybe maybe 100 people something like that wow. um, and uh she um, had uh, talked to one of her neighbors um, while she was out walking, and, and uh, he became a Christian through talking to her. Um, uh, and he and I became good friends, and, and as soon as he had converted, she like immediately started teaching him the the catechism, which is like a Calvinist um, thing. Um, through at like a seven thirty every every Sunday morning, so I, I kind of got plugged into that, and um, those two people really uh, helped me grow um, in. Ex- believing the, the teachings of of Calvin and, and uh, some of the more reformed uh, doctrines of grace, they call them sometimes. So.
1: Can I ask, so that's interesting. I think people come in and out of their religions at different points in their life stage, but I do think it's interesting, yeah. you know, I asked you, Christian veterinarian writer, it sounds like big things happened with vet school, obviously in vet yeah. school, and then big things yeah. happened with you kind of settling into the doctrine that you felt like matched what you read in the Bible the most. Was Mm -hmm. that a coincidence those two things are happening, or did you find yourself – when you went off to vet school, was this a time when you found yourself searching? What do you think?
0: Yeah, that's a really good question. I think in general that was a time when I was just searching about what I believe was true personally um, for myself as opposed to what I'd always been taught. Um, So that's one reason those two lined up really. Um, uh, I think also uh, vet school was a challenging time for everybody, Um, so it it made me – you know, um, when, when I'm, I'm challenged, I tend to turn turn to my faith and, and think harder about God and, and what can sustain me through hard things. Um, and so that's one reason I started thinking more seriously about the Bible, too. Yeah. Um,
1: when you settled in, so during vet school, you kind of like you're trying to figure out exactly what does Christianity say in the Bible? And I'm agreeing mm-hmm. with this church seems like oh, this is closest to what I believe. This is closest yeah. to what I see here. How did that affect what you were learning and how you were thinking about yourself as a future veterinarian. Were you, were there parts about veterinary medicine that made you at all worried as you got really serious and locked down the religion at that time? Or I mean, how did the two affect each other?
0: Uh, that's a good question. Um, it, it's, I, it's, uh, I guess, tricky to relate those in in my mind as I, as I developed them um, in, in my faith and thinking about being a veterinarian, except that I, kind of learned more and more about myself, that I wanted to do all the things I was doing for, for God's glory and, and as a way to, to serve him, basically. Um, so I started thinking a little bit about veterinary medicine as, as a, a ministry and a career. Um, so I, that, that was something that kind of connected at that point in my life. Um, um, I did a talk along those lines um, and actually with a lot of history um, that that ended up in this book too um, for the, the uh, CVF, the the Christian veterinary fellowship group on campus and um, got connected with them a little bit too. Um, But yeah, in general, uh, I guess at that point in time, I started thinking about how my career and specifically how being a veterinarian can, can be a ministry in different ways to people um, and bring God glory.
1: Okay. That, so that leads me to so the book A Theology of Beasts, Christians and Veterinary Medicine, short, super readable. I read it in a couple days. Um, it's interesting, you said you were kind of uh thinking about Christianity and veterinary medicine, but the first half of the book, and maybe this is just because you'd kind of done this research work already for that presentation, mm. but mm-hmm. the first half of the book to me is a bit like um a gentle justification for hey. Christianity and science and medicine sit together, and not only Mm. do they sit together today, but they've sat together a long time, and there have been these Christians who had strong faith who are also experimental scientists in veterinary medicine. So why did you want to start the book? If this book is for someone who's Christian and thinking about veterinary medicine or wanting to learn more about it, why Mm -hmm. did you think, I want to start off by giving them the history of all these many people along the way who are Christians and contributed to vet med?
0: Yeah, uh, that's a good question. Um, and, and to be honest, I almost did it the other way around, actually. I was um, wondering. So, Okay. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and it just kind of um, organically flowed better in my mind that way. Um, so I, I started, I knew I wanted to have a section on Christians in history that were veterinarians, partly because, as I thought through the subject, I, I, my first question was, well, if if God cares about vet medicine and it's something we can do to glorify Him, then I would expect, as my you know scientist myself, and in, in some ways I'd expect to see evidence that other Christians have thought about that in the past and cared about vet medicine. Um, so I knew I wanted a section on history for that reason, um, thought, and then one on theology and one on philosophy. Um, I, as I wrote my introduction, it just sort of seemed to flow that I would think about first. What were some of the, the stories of people that thought about the question of whether veterinary medicine can glorify God or not um, first and then talk about why they believe that afterwards?
1: Oh, I like it because it starts out – I mean, I would literally see you using the scientific method in the beginning because you're like, well, <laughs> if I have a hypothesis that that this is part of the calling, this is part of the ministry, that we are called to do <laughs> this, well, there must be proof through time. So you're like, well, let me go look. And yes, you found the proof through time. Are there particular stories in there that jumped out at you the most or particular people, or how did it make you feel finding all these historical tidbits of strong belief Christians who are also involved yeah. in vetMed?
0: Oh, that's a great question um, I, I mean i I felt um excited about it really and it was it was kind of like meeting a lot of of brothers and sisters um it it was it was um, a lot of fun um so i guess two of my favorites were um uh, william warcroft um just because he was such an interesting guy um he he was a a veterinarian and maybe a spy and a tibetan explorer um as well as a christian so he did some crazy amazing things um i I tend to, to be a little bit of a renaissance man myself basically meaning that I I can't keep focus and I'm always thinking about all these things all all together so I feel a little bit of kinship with him he did all kinds of things that were just all over the place Um, uh, so he was a really neat guy to meet in history Um, I really liked uh, Johann Christian Polycarp Erksloben because of his name he's got a great (laughs) name to say
1: Wait, I feel like you said that a lot. Like you deployed it very well.
0: Yeah, you know, for a little while I was like singing it to my kids. I have six little kids running around the house here, so um, it would um, he has a fun name to pronounce. <laughs> so, it was like your also, version
1: was, of J- John Jacob Jingleheimer Schmidt. Exactly right. Yeah, he was
0: a really cool guy too. Though um, I was really impressed by his uh, initiative. Um, so um, started Germany's first vet school just because he wanted he saw the need for it and. Sent a letter to the king, even though he hadn't finished his degree even. um, so, And and said, not only do we need a vet school, but I'm the guy to do it. And here's my course curriculum I want. And and it made it happen. So I I think he's an inspiring um, Christian in in vet medicine's history.
1: Um, I liked it especially because I think there is a general – in general, when you go out into the world, especially in in American culture, it feels like there's a conflict between science and religion. And even if there isn't a conflict, it's presented that way. If people don't think it, it's sometimes presented that way. And it was interesting to see, maybe you could tell me your thoughts on growing up, if there ever felt like there was a conflict between what science and medicine was saying and what you found in theology, and how you see the two mixed together or apart and conflicting.
0: Yeah, no, that's a really good question, I and mean, that's very true. Uh, there doesn't necessarily need to be a conflict between science and religion, but but it's it's very often pre- presented that way. Yeah. Um, growing up, I grew up in a real like um, conservative Christian house, and you know. There was always the – my parents always fell heavily on the creationist side of a debate about creation and evolution. Right. Um, so that's kind of what I was taught growing up. Um, uh, as I started to think about things and kind of make them my own, I had to think about that too and, and, and definitely would consider myself a creationist. Um, uh, I think that you can be a creationist all kinds of different ways um, uh, consistently, um, uh, but – reading the Bible, I would fall back to, like, seven-day creationism. Um, uh, but, yeah, I think that there are lots of different ways to um, approach science and religion that that don't necessarily have to, to conflict um, and, and really complement each other a lot. And that's one thing I loved reading about. Some of these um, early uh, innovators in medicine and science is how they – did their work in medicine as a way to bring God glory and get to know God better even. Um, so um, in, in a lot of ways, those two are just one and the same. I read a book by Francis Schaefer a long time ago um, uh, where he talked about uh, how, how much we tend to split all of life into two things. I think I mentioned that in this book a little bit too, but um, it's, it's too easy to like fracture off all our, Part of our faith, and and then the rest of life, and just sort of have them all divided, um, but really, I think those ought to be all one thing, and just all part of us. Um, uh, so that's that's um, kind of what I how I think about medicine and in my faith. Also, is is just all part of what I do. Um, so.
1: So you, you mentioned, I mean, there were these two parts of the book. They're clear parts. So the f- one part is the history and one part is mm-hmm. theology and philosophy. And you're like, at mm-hmm. one time, the theology and philosophy could have front-ended it. I, I like yeah. the fact that you kind of showed science and religion interweaving through history. So you finally do get to the theology and philosophy. To you, fundamentally, mm-hmm. as a Christian approaching veterinary medicine, are there particular lines or particular ideas that run through the Bible in Christianity that you think pertain to to vet med the most and oh, kind question. of what are they? Cause the one that jumped out to me obviously is the one everybody leans on is in Genesis where it's talking about <clears throat> God is ma- man is made sort of Lord or, do- or has dominion over, dominion. over the animals. So
0: sure. Yeah, no, that's definitely an important one. Um, so I think um, just for, I guess you could say motivation for studying science and um, technology and medicine. Um, the dominion mandate, um, I've often heard it called is, is certainly an important basis in the Bible that does kind of run through scripture. Um, one thing that I think is really exciting about the dominion um, idea is that I'm so taken uh, the way the way I look about dominion, I, I think. When on the phone, we talked a little bit about how some people will talk about dominion like it's more um, uh, a, a command to be responsible um, and take care of creation versus a command to just like lord over it, and be a tyrant over creation. Um, so, one of the exciting parts about being a Christian for me is uh, the teachings in the New Testament from Paul that that uh, Christ came to kind of restore everything to. To the way it should be, not just our souls, but the, the creation and the right ordering of it too. And I think that plays a big role in the whole stream of dominion in theology, uh, that Jesus um, restores a proper view of us being responsible in creation and, and good doctors and uh, scientists at the same time, uh, and following him means trying to do that well also. So that's that's certainly one major Motivation or theological stream. I think that applies um, definitely to vet medicine in the Bible.
1: Um, in the you also mention a few things uh, uh, in theology between sort of kindness and cruelty, and especially in the mm. historical part, you really do show that some of these scientists were in their own personal writings and in what they shared publicly, they were concerned about the suffering, they were concerned about suffering of animals. So in your view, what does Christianity tell Christian veterinarians about what they should be doing when it involves animals in pain?
0: Yeah, oh, that's a good question, yeah. Yeah, I think think that the Bible's, more clear than I expected it to be when I started looking at the subject. Um, that that God cares about animal suffering and and He wants animals to not be in pain and, and He cares that we care as well. Um, there are a lot of Old Testament commands where where God talks to His people and, and is um, uh, you know commanding them not to do cruel things like like boiling goats in their mother's milk and things like that. Um, and um, then there's just straight up. Uh, words like um, the words of Solomon in Proverbs that say a righteous man regards the life of his beast um, so a part of being righteous uh, and following God and being like him is to, to not be a fan of animal cruelty and to try to be gentle just like he is so I think a lot of that is founded in God's character um, and it comes out pretty um, clearly in scripture when you start thinking about how um, God wants us to view the animal world around us
1: uh, the other thing I went looking, I was caught by that one, that one you got from um, Proverbs. And I'm like, oh, let me go mm-hmm. look at that. Because you're like, it's not just yeah. regards, it also ties to knowledge. And I'm like, does mm-hmm. it? Let me go look mm-hmm. at the Hebrew. And you were like, right, like it's the word for knowledge to know. And I love the way from that regards you spun out to. So that means veterinarians need to know about the animals they're caring for. You're supposed to regard yeah. them. Knowledge is in there. So I did like that kind of yeah. like, right, of course you have veterinarians because somebody has to know about the animals to do this properly exactly right yeah yeah no
0: there's there's a there's good reasons in the bible to be a good veterinarian so.
1: <laughs> apparently which I, <laughs> I did like that uh there was the my favorite part of the whole book so i did like the history stuff but then once you got into the philosophy mm-hmm. you dug into something which i think then now is in deviation from what we might see in a lot of modern culture and i don't know if it's around the world this way These two lines, and I feel like they are—they could work together, but they're a bit in conflict. There's one in which man is seen at the top of a hierarchy. So we are Mm -hmm. over Mm -hmm. the animals. We are better than the animals. And the other one that's gained prevalence because as people have learned more about the theories of evolution and the idea that we Mm -hmm. all came from animals, when they think back in their brains to a time before, they think, well, things were wild. And this is where I thought was interesting. In, in modern science, I think we think back to a time when things were wild, that n- nature, yeah. red and tooth and claw, is normal. And then mm-hmm. you present an alternative view, which I don't think is seen everywhere, where you're like, yeah. no, no, I imagine this sort of pre, like Garden of Eden-esque, the mm-hmm. animals were not in conflict. So yeah. I thought that was fascinating. So tell me more why you think there's a justification for thinking about the fact that the normal is not the brutality of predators and prey, yeah. but animals living together.
0: Yeah and that that's a, a great uh, topic to talk about. Um I, I ran into that idea reading CS Lewis actually. Um so Lewis wrote some essays on animal suffering and um that was something he talked about is that the the truly um the truly uh, I guess I can't remember the words he used but the closer you get to the order of creation the more tame an animal is is what yeah. his words were. Um I thought that was a really interesting idea um that I hadn't thought about much before I read it in in Lewis. Um, and it really squares with the way I think about Genesis in particular. Um, so uh, in the book of Genesis, we do have the Garden of Eden and everything's perfect before the fall. And then sin comes in and, and everything goes downhill from there. And that's where you get death and suffering and pain um, and all those things that we're fighting as veterinarians. Um, and I do think um, I think about the, the topic of death in particular. Um, uh, we Think of it as natural and talk about it as a natural thing. But really, um, if you look at what the Bible talks about in Genesis, um, death shouldn't be something that's natural um, to us. Um, it should be kind of seen as as a, as a foreign enemy that shouldn't be there, um, that someday will be gone again. And that's really um, integral to the Christian faith in general. That's kind of the same thing with animals and uh, them being... Uh, Red in tooth and claw, like you say, um, that's not the way it was meant to be. And our hope is that someday things will be different uh, again.
1: So – and I I thought thought that was super interesting because I feel like in general, the veterinarians I run into are much more – so they're also observational scientists and just the information Mm -hmm. in looking at the world, they look out at the world – And if you don't theologically believe the world is fallen or that it was at a better – in some utopian state earlier, Mm
0: -hmm. then
1: you look out and say, well, we should see what's reflected here. And so I think that leads to – and you point out a problem with this – moral equivalence as we think, Mm. well, we're just another animal. And you spend a lot of time thinking about what are the implications of just saying we're just another animal It leads to kind of moral equivalence with us and animals, and we don't – number one, we don't take responsibility for the animals. Well, if we're all Mm -hmm. animals, then I can do what I want because I'm just another animal with my own wants and needs and desires. And I think you say maybe we shouldn't get rid of that hierarchy. Maybe we – it's not a bad thing to be above the animals, which I think a lot of people talk about all of nature together and we're all equal and you like Mm -hmm. push back a little bit. What are kind of the thoughts or the reasoning that you have for pushing back on all animals are the same? Including yeah, us. that's a really – that's a good question. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I mean the, the – I
0: guess where I start with, with that idea is really back in Genesis again. Um, so I, I do think the Bible's pretty clear about its um, – take on that topic that that right. God made uh, man to be um, the, the, over the animals um, and that he made man in his image in particular. Uh, so it, as I looked at this subject about our relation to animals, that, that became a really interesting subject for me to think of what does that mean to be in God's image and how does that make us different than the animals. And I think that's really where it starts is that um, – Animals are not made in God's image, and we are. If if we're going to take the words of Scripture literally, um, and, and, and fortunately we're not alone to try to figure out what that means. There's been a lot of different uh, great thinkers of, for thousands of years now that have that have debated about that subject. Um, but I, I thought Thomas Aquinas's writings, especially, um, were helpful. That and Calvin. Um, so I think my my. Investigations of Calvinism played a little bit a part of this too. Uh, Calvin talked about how um, our our whole self is is part of God's image. Um, a, a lot of people get down on Calvinism just because it's a little depressing. Um, so he often talks about how we're we're fallen in every part too. So that yeah. that's one reason I I go back to the fall in my head a lot too, is thinking about Calvinism and um, the the important teaching that that. Every part of us is tainted by, by corruption because of the fall. Um, but uh, the, the reverse side of that is that every part of us has the image of God. Um, and the, the Bible is pretty clear that, that the animals don't share that. Um, so I think that there's an aspect of our nature and of our role um, that makes us different than animals. Uh, and doesn't necessarily, It certainly doesn't mean we should be cruel and, and mean to animals. Um, but it does mean that we shouldn't be thinking of ourselves as equal to animals or it it creates a whole bunch of problems um and I think those problems are kind of the just the consequence and the outworkings of 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 the uh of confusion about about the the nature of of ourselves and animal kind basically.
1: I liked um, – so there is one there's one strand running through animal rights and mm-hmm. sort of extremists. So let's say PETA. PETA's pitch is that pet ownership is – it's morally wrong because animals mm-hmm. should live the way they live naturally. And again, mm-hmm. I like this pitch. What we're talking about about a peaceful time before is I, I, I don't – I think I must have been sheltered. I'd never heard the philosophical pitch that yeah. no – pet ownership animals and humans living together in peace that's the normal thing agriculture we look at we're kind of told these days because there were times before in historical recorded history these animals were not domesticated these animals did not hang out with us and it's better for them to be natural and i'd never heard Mm. this pitch that like well you could look at it this way to say isn't it better for us to live in peace with the animals in our ecosystem yeah no,
0: a good example I just thought of is is um a, a lot of people uh, get excited about raw food diets. Uh, I've heard <laughs> heard uh, lots of arguments about that and against it and for it. Um, so but one of the things that somebody told me once that really has stuck to me is yeah, you know, raw food is is natural for wolves and and coyotes to eat, and they live an average of you know five years in the wild. Uh, so uh, it's good for for dogs to be domesticated and for us to protect them from things like parasites and salmonella and E. coli and things that. Kill them through their diets in the wild, right? So I think that's true in a lot of ways um, for every aspect of, of uh, an animal's life. Is, is we can we can definitely uh, help them a lot by by um, domestication and um, kind of a, a good symbiotic relationship, if you will. So,
1: how do you? It's interesting because one pitch would be almost this. A Christian ideal of the pet or domesticated animal with you would lead to lots of caring and lots of money spent and lots of love mm. for these animals because this mm-hmm. is an ideal situation. It's almost like a little – they talk about in Judaism, they talk about Shabbat is like this taste of heaven. Mm. Shabbat mm-hmm. – when, when the Messiah comes in, in Jewish theology, every day is going to be like Shabbat. It's all yeah. going to be – Everything will be perfect and everything's going to work just right. And this little taste Mm. of Shabbat from Friday to Saturday, I feel like this pet ownership is this little taste of, yay, this is this taste of something good. Sure. On the other side, you you argue against, and I I agree with this, this idea that animals and people are the same. Mm. The amount of time and resources that people will devote to animals. So you as a Christian veterinarian thinking about not just animals but people and what we can do for everyone around us. How do you feel about? And again, if this is too touchy, how do you feel about how much money and time and effort is spent on these little pets because we're treating them sure. kind of like human beings? What we would spend yeah, on a sick yeah. kid is what we would spend sometimes on a sick animal.
0: Yeah, no, that's a good question. Um, it's a, it, like I say, it's a touchy subject for a lot of people. Which goes one thing that made me nervous right in this part of the book for sure. Um, oh, then you don't have gonna...
1: to dive into it if you don't want oh, to. Oh no, no, you, I I, you I'm you happy to. It well.
0: I'm happy to, um, because and that's why I wrote about it in the book. Is I think it's something we need to think about more and more, um, as it, you know, it's something that we kind of just gloss over a lot of times. I find in in my practice anyway, um, and I think that one of the beauties of the Christian view of of um, man made in God's image is that it really gives you some balance in that regard. I love uh, Chesterton's quote that I talked about in the book, where he, he talks about how. Um, a a materialistic view of the world doesn't give you any good place to um, he's using a tiger as an example to admire the tiger's stripes and avoid his claws. But but the Christian idea of man versus animals or in in you know in, in relation to animals gives you a proper balance to ad- admire the tiger and avoid his claws at the same time. And I think that's real similar in this topic too. Um, we want to take the best care possible that we can of animals. At the same time that we remember that every single time a human is going to be more valuable than an animal, um, so if we had to choose between one of the two, I guess you could say then then it should always be the the, the human instead. Um, so, um, and that's certainly where I would fall down on those um, that topic for sure. And it it certainly is a, a practical thing in my um, experience as a practitioner uh, many times. So. Um, I always try to, I guess you could say I'm definitely a bit more of a practical doctor than some of my colleagues where I do consider things like the, the cost and whether, you know, whether my clients can afford this and try to communicate real carefully to them. Do you really want to go through with all of this? Um, uh, cause it, it does, um, it gets challenging when I see cases where there's, you know, like a m- mom with a, little kid and she can't really afford any of this stuff I'm talking about. I'll do everything I can to help it work out. But there comes a point where I just say, look, you, you probably should just think of something else, you know? So
1: um, it, is there also on the other side of that? Cause I look at, so when I went to help veterinarians, I mean, I love pets and animals, but I really like mm-hmm. veterinarians. When you talked about this ministry, a lot of times when people are talking about ministry, it's, it's human being to human being. Do you feel yeah. like as a veterinarian, you are – your ministry is involved in directly caring for the animal or when you look at every animal that comes in, is it always this feeling there's this web that goes out to the human beings who are there with them?
0: Yeah, no, really the latter for sure. Um, uh, that That's definitely how I view every case is that the, the pet doesn't come in with his, his own little wallet and credit card and, and <laughs> right. a list of things that are ailing him, right? Um, there's there's a whole family of people right there with them and, and they're um, – they're they're needing help just as much as as their pet does half the time. Um, I, I work at an emergency practice, so a lot of the time, I'm my job is to to be a counselor to grieving people, and um, so I, I think of my uh, my work to help them just as much as the animal too. Um, so. Yeah.
1: Is there anything in veterinary medicine? So people always talk about veterinary. How do you feel about? The big change in veterinary medicine feels like, uh, yes, corporatization is one thing, but yeah. technology. So a big thing, as mm. the medicine and the technology improves, people are having to wrestle more with the moral issue and the financial yeah. issue of sure. now that we can do everything for the animal, hypothetically, given – all the time and all the money now that we can do that now we have to do that same thing we've done with everything else in our lives now i have to set up some artificial boundary of Mm. i have to decide according to my values how much to spend i have to decide how much how do you think that's as you've been a veterinarian does drawing that line is it easier or harder as time goes by in other words Mm. does it get more complicated the more you can do or does it still feel good i love the fact that i can do more stuff for every animal that comes in
0: yeah that's a good question um I mean, I think overall it makes it easier just because I guess I view myself in my practice as um, kind of a, a consultant in some ways where I'm, I'm working alongside an animal owner to try to help them be a good, righteous animal owner and take care of their, their pet. Um, so in that regard, the more options that we all have for that, um, the better. Um, and I, I think that as we talk about the cost of medicine in a lot of ways – I always have to remind myself that this is all relative. So, I mean, w- what's expensive for one person is like just chump change for somebody else, right? right. Um, and so, and, and I'm always always reminded of that um, in in uh, easy ways and hard ways in practice. Um, so um, that, that sometimes spending ten thousand bucks for a surgery is is nothing to some people, uh, whereas you know a hundred dollar exam fee is is not even doable for some some folks. So um, that's definitely a challenge on. Uh, in my practice and it always has been for every veterinarian i know but i do think that that does get harder the the more expensive medicine becomes Uh, so i always i'm trying to find creative ways to work through that with clients and and try to help the pet every, every way i can and help them help their their pet so
1: Okay, my two last questions are more about Christianity and less about the veterinary hospital. So, number one, at the church you go to now, do over the course of a standard year, do animals ever show up? Like, do you do those? Some places do animal blessings. Are animals oh, yeah. a part of the liturgy in any way significant? Oh,
0: that's a good question. Uh, and the answer is no, not really. Um, I, I mean, <laughs> mostly just, just uh, I, everybody has pets, and I get to meet them, and that that's about as as far as it goes. But yeah, not really a part of of the liturgy at church really. Um, but. Uh, I have some friends who, who have churches that, that do animal blessings and things, but I, I haven't had the chance to do that.
1: And my last question is kind of thinking about have young Christians who are thinking about being veterinarians, do you talk to them? And I'm wondering when you looked at your peers who are Christian, I feel like a lot of things that the organizations do are really good and they're really designed to say we know how to be veterinarians so we can use our skill – to go carry this out into the world and help people in places where they can't get pet care. And then we will be good models and examples for how you can use your skills for good. Have you found other veterinarians wrestle with the philosophy and the theology as much? Or do you feel like most of the time vet med and Christianity only come together when they're like, well, a charity. So then I could use my thing for charity. That's a good question. Um,
0: I, you know, I, I, to be perfectly honest, I haven't talked to a whole lot of my colleagues about some of these. Okay. Um, when I have, I found that they they indeed wrestle with all these same questions and, and are, um, are often thinking through them more than I expected. Um, I had a conversation with one of my technicians the other day and went into depth about whether animals have souls and how animals might be different or similar to people. And, you know, she'd been thinking about this a whole lot, and I never even thought to talk about it. So um, I think people do think about it more than... Than we expect in our profession, Um, and I'm just a natural introvert and don't uh, don't uh, tell people about it and talk about it as much as I should. Um, So um, instead, I write about it because
1: that's that's how I function. (laughs) So, (laughs) who? So my last question is: Who do you hope reads this book? What? Who is the idea in your mind? Who is the ideal audience?
0: Oh, that's a good question. Um, I mean, honestly, I think the ideal audience would be. Um, colleagues of mine that are Christians and struggle through some of these same questions that I've had to think about over the years. Um, but really, I think that it's a pretty broad audience that that, that could benefit from it. Um, uh, not only veterinarians, but people that want to be veterinarians or anybody that's a pet owner, because I, I guess that's the other big category of people that I hope read this book are, are people that um, haven't really thought about the... the um, popular, um, equalizing of, of, uh, man and animals, um, and haven't thought about any kind of alternative, uh, philosophies or ideas, uh, cause I would like to help, um, you know, uh, present, present an alternative to that. Um, that's been there for thousands of years. I mean, I think it's true. Um, so,
1: and is there anything from the book you think I might've missed? Like, is there something we didn't talk about that you really want to talk about that we just skipped? <laughs>
0: that's a good question. I mean, I think I think you covered it mostly. Um, uh, I think one of the big things that came out to me in this book is just how wonderful and gentle God Himself is um, in loving His creation. Um, uh, we, we we talked about that just a little bit. Um, I think that's a, a wonderful thing, um, though. That that uh, really struck me in my heart writing this book um, is just kind of a, a worship of, of of God who who. Loves all of creation so much and ordered it so well, um, so that that's really the the big message that kind of hit me through writing it. I'm-